0: You're listening to the Dynasty League Football
1: Podcast, where there is no off-season.
0: Welcome back to another episode of the DLF Dynasty Podcast. You're listening to episode 308. I am your host once again this week, Matt Price, here with my buddies, as always, Ryan McDowell and Dan Myler. Guys, how was your Memorial Day weekend?
2: It was great. I had a lot of time to hang out with the friends and with friends and family and now ready to get back to the grind and talk Dynasty with you guys.
1: Yeah, mine's good as well. And uh, yeah, same thing. Ready to get back into the groove and uh, talk about some more of these rookies.
0: Yep, I uh, went camping this weekend. I I am exhausted. Just one day, I took the new dog out. uh, But uh, good weekend, ready to talk some rookies. So let's get into it. Last week, we, uh, we went through the quarterbacks and the running backs of rookies uh, framing the conversation from a standpoint of looking at them from a a startup draft uh, perspective and and really looking at the players that are going around them based on May ADP, and we'll have June up within a couple of weeks here, I'm sure. But right now we have May to work with. So let's jump right into the wide receivers. Uh, Just following the same format as last week, I'll give the rookie and the players that are going around them, and then we'll discuss kind of who we prefer out of that grouping there. So the first wide receiver selected in the NFL draft in the 2018 NFL draft was DJ Moore, and he came off the board at, at wide receiver, sorry, uh, uh, 59th overall in, in startup drafts. And around him, Cooper Cup at 57, Marvin Jones at 58, Tevin Coleman at 60, and Kenyon Drake at 61. Dan, uh, do you prefer DJ Moore out of this group, or would you go to a different place? This is an interesting group to me because the group of wide receivers covers
2: the, the rookie that you talked about, DJ Moore, and the second-year guy and up-and-comer with, with Cooper Cup, and then the veteran with Marvin Jones. And then when you splash those, that couple of running backs in the group as well with Tevin Coleman and Kenya Drake, so you, you can go a lot of different directions. And I think the NFL draft, at least... Gave a little bit of insight to 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 where to go here. Uh, D J Moore fell into a really nice situation. He's he's gonna get an opportunity early, and that's probably the same you can you can say about Cooper Cooper Cup. So that's where my eyes go right away. It's either D J Moore or Cooper Cup going with the youth at receiver. I think I give a a slight edge to D J Moore. Um, I think there's the potential for him to to. Have a little higher ceiling, so I'd probably go that way. Obviously, if your need it lies at running back, Coleman and Drake both present some upside as well. But the, but the guy I like out of that group is the is the rookie DJ Moore.
1: Yeah, same for me. And uh, I guess my only disagreement with Dan would be I, I don't think it's particularly close. Um, it's easily more for me out of this group. I I, I do like uh, really I like everybody in this in this group of five but I think I think we've maybe seen the best of both Cup and Jones it's probably not a a big statement when it comes to Jones who's the veteran who had the big year last year but Cup I kind of think what we saw last year is is just about best case scenario for him Uh, we know they brought in Cooks and uh, I think it would be a stretch to assume Cup sees that same number of targets and opportunities that he saw last year. I do like investing in Tevin Coleman. The talk about him has been, of course, that he'll be a free agent next offseason. So a, a lot of potential for some, some value gained there, but it, in this group, again, it's pretty easily DJ Moore for me.
0: I disagree with you guys a little bit. I think it's, kind of bold to say that Cooper Cup is as good as he's going to be as a rookie <laughs> I feel like he can, he could take a step forward I, I know they brought in Brandon Cooks and all that and, and Marvin Jones I just feel like is always undervalued and, and if you're a competing team I think you might get more production out of him this season, and like you said, Tevin Coleman's really fun, too. I think I probably put DJ Moore second or third out of this group, but but really this is a really nice spot to be drafting, in and it makes me kind of want to honestly trade down if uh, I'm not liking my pick in, in the third or fourth round, trade into this area and pick up maybe a couple of these guys. But let's go to the next set of rookies. Uh, these guys came off the board back-to-back at uh, 66 and 67, Dan, your boy, Calvin Ridley at 66, Cortland Sutton right after him at 67, and they're surrounded by Will Fuller at 64, Royce Freeman, rookie we talked about last week at 65, Jay Ajayi at 68, and Robert Woods at 69. We'll back to you, Ryan, here. Are you taking the rookies over all of these veterans as well?
1: This this one is much tougher for me. We uh, Like you said, we talked about this group last week uh, with Freeman being in here, and uh, I really wish I remembered who I picked. I, I, <laughs> um, these guys are so close that uh, maybe from one week to the next, I might change my mind. I, I think I would go with, I'll go with the rookie, but not the rookie wide receiver. I'll, I'll go with Royce Freeman here. i um, not a guy I was super high on entering the draft, but uh, you have to like his opportunity. And if nothing else, I would uh, side with him with, with an idea of maybe being able to sell high at some point in this, Uh, in in his rookie season but uh, Ridley and Sutton both guys I've uh, gotten some shares of late in that first round range as well and uh, don't have any issue with those guys we can just skip Dan we know his answer
2: yeah well if if (laughs) memory serves me right you you did go with Freeman last week and I know I went with Ridley and I'll, I'll just stick to him for the same reasons I said a week ago uh, and and to me, kind of like what you said, Ryan, on the on the first group that we talked about, that Moore was a landslide victory. Ridley is as close to that without being as much in in this group. I think Freeman's close because of his landing spot and that opportunity he's going to get. But Ridley, with his outstanding la- landing spot, makes
1: him one of the biggest targets on the board for me. Dan, I've actually seen a couple people. Call the Atlanta landing spot a bad one, which I don't. I don't really get. I know. I know you love it. I, I probably don't think of it as uh, kindly, I guess, as you do. But I certainly wouldn't call it a, a bad spot. What What would you say to those who do?
2: Yeah, I, I, I try to wrap my head around it a little bit because I I don't get it. I I think the thought behind it is, well, you already have Julio Jones in place, and how are you going to you know dominate targets? And Julio's only twenty nine, only. 29 and, and is going to be around for a while and, and get those get those opportunities, how can Ridley get all the opportunity as well if he's already in place? And I just, I just don't really understand that myself, and, and I understand the running game and all that. But when I look at a wide receiver, I, I really, I, I don't want that guy at the beginning of his career to be the ace. I don't want him to have to be the guy that faces the number one corner on the other team, or the the defensive coordinator that immediately says well if we're going to take somebody away it's going to be this guy I know he's a rookie but we're going to roll coverage to his side of the field I also look for somebody that has a quality quarterback a veteran that's already in place and and knows when to deliver the ball and I you know you know me I like those route runners and Calvin Ridley certainly falls under that uh umbrella so you know to those who, who don't like the, the uh, landing spot, I hope you're in my league because that means Ridley falls to me and, and I'll scoop him up in the mid to late first round all day long.
0: I I like the landing spot quite a bit too I I do think there's a little bit of risk there like we he's he's a little bit of a a similar player to Sterling Shepard and just in the fact that he's he was maybe the best route runner in his class and Ridley certainly is that in this class Um, so maybe there's a little bit of risk there for that but my kind of counter argument to all of that bad landing spot situation is that the last time Matt Ryan had had a route runner as good as Calvin Ridley it was Roddy White and Roddy White put up a lot of nice seasons across from Julio Jones when Julio Jones was even more dominant so Um, I don't hate that at all. I'm going to go with Ryan on this one, though, and say that Freeman is just a touch above Ridley, but after that, I'll take uh, those two rookies, too, out of this group. Let's move on to the next one. Uh, Christian Kirk actually rose up to wide receiver two post-draft for me in, in this class. He comes off the board at 76 overall, surrounded by Nelson Aguilar at 74, Cam Newton at 75, Mike Williams out of the Chargers from 77, and uh, Alex Collins at 78. Dan, uh, talk to me about this group.
2: This This is another interesting one for me, and it's really because of one other name outside of Kirk, and that's Mike Williams. I keep looking at Mike Williams and how much I liked him coming out a year ago, and then what it was amounted to really a lost season in his rookie year. And if you try to, if you insert Mike Williams into this class, where does he go? And like we were talking about earlier, I'm a big Ridley supporter and a fan. I I think I lean towards Ridley, but beyond that, it becomes a tough decision for me, whether I want Mike Williams or, or any of these other rookies. So I, I'm going to go away from the rookie on this one. I, st- I still believe in Mike Williams' upside. I like those guys that can go get the football in the red zone, and I think he, he falls under that for sure. Uh, I hope that the, the injury bug was just a one-year uh, quick flu that he was under uh, under the weather there, and he can get over that and get into that offense and become a bigger part of it. I know there's a lot of weapons in, in place already there in Los Angeles already, and Kirk might have a quicker opportunity to become a bigger part of the offense uh, in Arizona. Uh, that all said, I, I lean towards Williams because of that touchdown upside. So I'll give a, a slight edge to the second-year wideout over
0: Kirk.
1: Yeah, I'm taking Mike Williams here as well, and uh, some some news we've had since our last episode, of course, is the Hunter Henry injury that he's going to miss the year with uh, with a torn ACL. And I've seen several people mention this that rather than looking at Antonio Gates or or whatever tight end they might bring in. It's really going to be Mike Williams who might uh, benefit from this injury as far as uh, increased targets and increased opportunity. It's close with Williams and Kirk for me. I also like Cam Newton. I think he's always undervalued, but the depth of the quarterback position pushes me away from him. So it comes down to the two wide receivers for me as well. And I will also uh, just ever so slightly lean to Mike Williams.
0: I'm a little bit surprised by that, you guys. I mean, not too much from Dan, because I know he was a big Mike Williams guy last year, but I I just can't mess around with his back and neck injuries. I do like that narrative that he can come in and kind of play like that, I don't know, whatever you want to call it, that faux tight end. Maybe we can call him like the next Jimmy Graham or whatever for for the Chargers, especially in the red zone area for him. But uh, I'm going to take Christian Kirk here pretty easily. Um, All right, let's go to our next guy. My favorite wide receiver heading into the draft uh, was James Washington. He comes off the board next At 94 overall, he's surrounded by Deonta Foreman at 92, Carlos Hyde at 93, Chris Godwin at 95, Marcus Mariota at 96. Ryan, James Washington, to me, out of this group, uh, I think I'm going to take him, too. I think for me it's close between him and Godwin,
1: but I'm going to give the slight edge to, to Washington here. Yeah, this is another group um, overall I really like. And again, just like the last one, it would be between the two receivers and the quarterback for me, uh, Washington, Godwin, and Mariota. And uh, again, same same thinking, I'll eliminate uh, Mariota there and just consider Washington or Godwin. I think I would go with Godwin. It, It feels like they're kind of in similar spots but godwin just has i think one one step ahead or one step on on washington considering the competition there and of course they both are dealing with with top receivers in front of them. And then Washington obviously has both Antonio Brown and Juju Smith-Schuster. So uh, I I don't think it's a stretch to say that Godwin could outproduce Deshaun Jackson this year. So I will go with him uh, again, really close one between those two receivers.
2: And I'm going to echo the same things. Really, uh, I like I like the two receivers best of, of that group. And it seems like a time to to start really thinking about these quarterbacks. But like Ryan said, we we kind of crossed Mariota off the list because there are so many available. Still, I think I would lean towards Gonwin for the same uh, for the same reasons. Really, it seems just to me that Washington is is like Ryan said, just a step behind and has another player to overcome to get that opportunity. And I wouldn't, I I always lean towards the guy in in a situation like this who, who could make the quicker impact when they're so close on talent and so close on situation. And I think that falls under Godwin. So, so I'd go with him.
0: I think you guys convinced me. I can go ahead and, and recommend Godwin over Washington, too. I know there's there's been those rumors out there that, that he already deserves to be the starter across from Evans and, and two wide receiver sets. So, uh, you know, that, that certainly does push him up there a little bit if he's going to get on the field this season with more regularity. Let's go to the next group here. Michael Gallup is the next rookie off the board at 103 overall. He is surrounded by Kenny Galladay at 101, Kirk Cousins at 102. Chris Thompson, the running back from Washington at one Oh four and Mark Bryant, the new Oakland Raider at one Oh five Dan, uh, the rookie here is pretty attractive compared to this group. What about you? Yeah, it's kind of an ugly group to be honest with you.
2: I I cringed a little bit as I read it, like, man, I wish there was that name that popped off to me. And because of that, I I, I think I will go with the rookie, even though I'm not a, a, a huge supporter of Gallup. I like his game a little bit. I think he's going to have a lot of pressure on him in Dallas, despite that landing spot being so sweet. Uh, there, there, there's going to be some pressure associated with that, and that might not be a good thing for a rookie wide receiver coming from a smaller program and things like that. With all that said, though, because the other options all have question marks, and I do like Chris Thompson and his opportunity, particularly in PPR, obviously, and Martavis Bryant always has a high upside, so he should at least be considered, but the obvious choice for me is still the rookie because Gallup has, has his whole career ahead of him, a nice situation, a good quarterback and an offense where he should be able to, to make an impact
1: early uh, at least in his second year, I would imagine. Yeah. I'm going to have to agree again, Dan, Uh, this, this group is ugly. If if my pick is up and these are the options I'm probably looking to trade down. I I do like the upside of both Galladay and, and Martavis Bryant, but they both look like third options at best on their offense in the short term. While Gallup, at least, has the potential to to be that top target on the on the Dallas offense. So, uh, once again, I'm going with the rookie receiver here. I, I have a, a thought about
0: Gallup this season, where. I think he's going to start off the season, you know, as their quote unquote wide receiver one, but I don't think the defense is really going to throw their best cornerback or best defenders on him right away. So there, I think there's potential for him to produce, you know, pretty decently, maybe even, you know, close to high wide receiver two, maybe even fringe wide receiver one early on in the season. And then once defenses kind of, kind of wise up and realize that this is their guy, that they kind of shift coverage over to him. So maybe the move with Gallup this season is to, is to buy him early and use that production to sell him for a little bit of a, of a value bump later on. What do you guys think about that?
1: I mean, other than just loading the box to try to stop Zeke, I don't know who they're putting, who they're putting DBs on, you know? I mean, Hearns, (laughs) Terrence Williams, Hearns. I don't trust Hearns to stay healthy. Terrence Williams. You don't trust Terrence Williams to catch the ball? Yeah, I mean, Terrence Williams is just not good. Uh, We don't even need to consider him. Uh, Obviously, Witten is gone now as well. I'm I'm not a Rico Gathers believer. I I hope he proves me wrong. But I I can't believe they haven't made some kind of move to to bring in another pass catcher.
0: It's it's gross at this point. All right, uh, let's move on to the next guy here, Anthony Miller off the board at 116 overall surrounding him is Matthew Stafford at 114 Kelvin Benjamin at 115 Trey Burton at 117 and Cameron Meredith at 118 Ryan where are you going with this group
1: Mm, there's three guys I really like here Miller is one of them um I, I mentioned waiting at quarterback I think Stafford is always underrated so if if I did have that plan to wait at quarterback Stafford would certainly be a target and um I think the guy I'm actually going to go with is Trey Burton. Um, oh. He's uh, I I think in my latest rankings I have him as my tight end six or seven. So uh, really high on him. Uh, obviously a, a teammate to Miller there in Chicago. Uh, any of those three guys I would be happy with, but I think I have I think I have to side with Burton. Man,
2: I thought I was going to surprise people by choosing Burton in this group. (laughs) I I thought maybe, uh, like you said, there's other names that are intriguing and Miller being the rookie and the new toy and all that stuff. And and I've been a Burton believer since mid last year, uh, maybe even a little bit before that. And I thought the landing spot was just... Brilliant. Uh, an excellent landing spot for him. I'm a believer in Trubisky. I like what they did surrounding him with talent, including Alan Robinson and Taylor Gabriel and, and the rookie Miller, like you mentioned. Um, but I think Trey Burton has the, the upside to be a top 10 tight end this year. And to get him this late... In, in a startup feels really good. So I although I thought I was going to surprise somebody, I guess I'll just go with the group uh, group thing here <laughs> that's happening between Ryan and myself and, and go with Burton as well.
0: Yeah, this, uh, I mean, Burton is kind of like, based on ADP anyway, kind of the last tight end you want to have that has like really any longevity that you also feel pretty comfortable with starting this year. You know, you have Greg Olson with, uh, after him that comes eight picks later. You know, hopefully you're going to get one year out of him. Jordan Reed after that at 130. for uh, 14 picks later. We don't really want that. And then you're into the rookies. Gasecki, another old guy. Walker, Ebron, Eifert. It's just ugly after Burton, really. So I think I agree with you guys. Burton is the pick here. But I'd really want to go ahead and grab my quarterback, Stafford, if Burton was off the board. So I think those are, are definitely the two directions I would go here. Not, not, not throwing any shade on Miller. He's certainly an attractive option there in Chicago as well. Um, but let's go to our last group of wide receivers here. Uh, this This one is going to be Dante Pettis is the next rookie off the board. The last rookie wide receiver we're going to talk about today. He comes off at 130 overall. He is surrounded by Jordan Reed at pick 128, (laughs) the aforementioned Jordan Reed, Uh, Tom Brady at 129, Chris Hogan at 131, and Mike Gasecki at 132. Dan, uh, this seems like a slam dunk for the receiver for me at this point. What about you?
2: Yeah, it's a slam dunk for me as well. In fact. When I read your your list as we were preparing for this, Matt, I I thought maybe that this was a mistake because it seems like a couple of these veterans don't necessarily belong that high Jordan Reed is a question mark for me in the 10th round and Tom Brady seems a little bit high as well when you consider that Drew Brees is is at least a full round below him and guys like Matt Ryan and and others Phillips Rivers are way below him and you say what you want about Brady and and him being the best of all time or or whatever you want to call him but uh, he is 40 plus and and being in the same group as Dante Pettis and, and Mike Gasecki seems like a head scratcher to me. I have Pettis higher than Gusecki in my rookie rankings. So, so I'm going with Pettis, but I don't want it to, to make it sound like it's a landslide at all. I think the Gusecki landing spot was nice as well, as well as the Pettis one. And he's certainly a consideration. Anybody who would go with Gasecki over, over Pettis, I, I'm not going to argue with you all that much. I will lean towards the wide receiver in this case,
1: however. I'm glad you're not going to argue with me because I, I will take <laughs> the tight end. I'll take Gusecki, Um and agree with you on, on most of that. It's, it's close between the two rookies. It's not really close between the three veterans here for me, Reed, Brady, and Hogan. Um, and just, just the slight edge to Gaseki over Pettis for me, I think. Um, even, even though we're not used to seeing that at, at, from the tight end position, I think we might see more immediate production from geseki versus Pettis before we uh get to our short break
0: here for our for our one of our sponsors reality sports online let's go to uh let's let's run through this exercise that we did last week with the least comfortable starter assuming that you have you guys have a, we're playing in a wider start three wide receiver league um let's talk about who you want in that that third receiver starting spot uh, anybody any any names in particular stand out to you and then we can go through some guys surrounding them uh, based on adp dan we can start with you
2: yeah, it's it's really difficult for me. And as I look at ADP, I see a lot of names in the in the 30s among the wide receivers that that I kind of nod my head to and feel like, oh, Robert Woods is is a name. I, I feel pretty comfortable about him. Devonte Parker, you'd much rather have him as your four, but slides into that three as well. And Sterling Shepard uh, is another guy that that you you feel good about and. and then you get into the veterans like Larry Fitzgerald. Uh, I think he's the, the most obvious guy on the list, and, and he falls in at 39 among ADP. There might be a couple other names um, that some people might argue with me over. Michael Crabtree's in the 40s. Uh, other names like Emmanuel Sanders or Julian Edelman, um, Kelvin Benjamin as well. Those those are the names that other owners might be a little little feel a little better about. I'm not quite to that point. If Fitzgerald's my guy and I got him at 39, I'd, I'd feel pretty good. Crabtree, obviously, feel pretty good about him as my wide receiver three. Beyond that, I, I start getting a little bit nervous about those other names.
1: Yeah, for me, before I before I even looked at the wide receiver ADP, Crabtree was the name that, that came to my mind. So seeing him at wide receiver 44 feels about right. And like we talked about last week, there are some some young guys, rookies especially, above him in our ADP that, that have more value, but you're not ready to start. James Washington, uh, maybe Christian Kirk, guys guys like that that probably are not going to slot in as starters uh, in their first year. But it, kind of that same range that you were mentioning, Dan. Crabtree, Crowder is in that range. And then we get up to uh, to Fitzgerald, who obviously you would be happy to have him as a starter. You know, I, I thought,
2: think back to a year ago, if we would have asked ourselves this question and names like Jordy Nelson would have popped up or Pierre Garcon, maybe. And those guys have slid down these rankings. We're, we're certainly not comfortable with Jordy Nelson being our third wide receiver at this point, And he falls into the fourth or maybe even the fifth wide receiver slot on our rosters. But when, when you look at these names that we're talking about now with Crabtree, especially, it seems a lot less likely that we're going to we're going to fall off the Michael Crabtree bandwagon in one year. I know he switched teams and all those things. Um, but it seems like the, the guys that we were we were OK with a year ago, we're, we're not so OK with. I wonder if that's going to happen again next year.
0: I was going to I was going to take Crabtree, too, as my guy at 44, like you guys mentioned. But sliding down the list a little bit, I I Maybe I'm, maybe it's just a, that, that Homer Packerism. I don't know. But I feel like Randall Cobb could have be a nice value this year and might be able to slot in as a wide receiver three on a regular basis. And then, like you mentioned, Dan, Pierre Garcon, I have a little bit of confidence in him down there. And they're back-to-back at 55 and 56. And obviously, like, like Ryan said, there's a young guys above that we don't want to start. But if you're looking for kind of a budget last starter at the wide receiver position, I think you could probably get both of those guys relatively cheaply. And, and then I, I probably wouldn't want to go too far after that i know robbie anderson has his supporters at 59 uh marquise lee <laughs> you're really digging deep now at 61 and like you mentioned nelson down at 64 so um i, I think we're all kind of in that same range there you can dip into the the, the 40s uh, in terms of wide receiver adp and, and still feel pretty comfortable with a few of those guys so uh, all right so let's take a break real quick and, and hear a word from our sponsor
3: hi there this is tom kislingberry of the read and react podcast have you ever wished you could be an nfl general manager I know that's what I do. I play fantasy football because I like feeling like I'm in control of a team. And now you can feel that better than ever before with Reality Sports Online. It's a powerful fantasy sports platform where owners get to build and manage their fantasy team just like an NFL general manager does. Reality Sports Online was created by former NFL front office personnel, so you know it's accurate, and detailed and good. features a revolutionary free agency auction room where you can have realistic decisions instead of just the highest uh, annual amount or the highest total amount so it totally mimics nfl free agency It enables nfl fancy owners to negotiate and sign the top talent single or multi-year contracts in a realistic way the platform can host up to 32 teams just like the nfl and it's got tons of other really cool features it's got rookie draft multi-team trades Franchise tax, contract extensions, first-round rookie options, automated contracts, salary cap functionality, much, much more. If an NFL general manager does this, then RSO has probably got it too. Test your general manager skills for free at realitysportsonline.com in a mock-free agency auction. If you like what you see, if it feels realistic, if it's great, then use the promo code DLF10, that is DLF10, and receive a 10% discount on your team or league today. Fantasy just got real at realitysportsonline.com
0: and we're back. We're going to talk about tight ends and wrap this up. We're actually only going to talk about the top three here drafted because, I don't know, I kind of feel like <laughs> once we get into the Ian Carters in the world, we're going to be waiting you know multiple seasons for these guys to have too much value. So let's just talk about our top three here. The first one off the board, of course, Mike Kosicki. Uh We talked a little bit about him, uh, some of the guys surrounding him just a minute ago. Um, but he comes in at wider or sorry, uh, 132 overall based on May ADP. He's surrounded by uh, one, the rookie we just talked about, Dante Pettis at 130, Chris Hogan at 131. Then below him is CJ Anderson at 133, and Jordy Nelson at 134. Ryan, uh, you, you're going back to Gasecki here out of this group seems like pretty easily, right?
1: Uh, yeah, no, no real change. Um, we see a couple couple of other veteran options in this group, but I will definitely stick with Mike Gusecki here.
2: Yeah, and I'm going to have to stick with Pettis again for the same reason. It's close. But Pettis has an equally good landing spot, uh, exciting quarterback that he's playing with as well, and that draft capital is good. Uh, it's a close call, but it's going to be Pettis again for me.
0: Yep, I agree with you guys. Um, all right, next guy, Dallas Goddard, the guy that broke my heart in the NFL draft when he went and got himself stationed behind a top five option in, in, in Dynasty and in, uh, in Zach Ertz. Uh, but Goddard comes in at 156 overall. Corey Clement at 154. Giovanni Bernard at 155. John Ross at 157. And Keelan Cole at 158. Dan, where are you going with this group? I'm going to take the
2: rookie once again, and it's not necessary. And I'm a Goddard fan. I like him, but man, those options aren't great, with the exception of maybe Giovanni Bernard. He 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 has some upside for sure, and I think we talked about it a, a week ago. But some of the other names make you make you think to yourself man how could i take him over over a rookie with some upside and and goddard certainly has that although he'll have to most likely sit and wait uh before we get to see that so i'll take the guy from south dakota state and avoid those veterans that you mentioned
1: this one is is actually a tough one for me You, you get down into the the 150s the 13th 14th 15th round whatever it might be and uh you don't really think that you're, you're going to have tough choices, but, uh, between the two running backs here, Clement and Gio Bernard, uh, along with the rookie Goddard, I do think it's close. I would actually side with Bernard. Uh, again, we talked about him last week. Like Dan said, I, I think he, I think he could end up being, um, maybe even like worthy of, of a flex starter spot, uh, this coming season. I don't disagree with those takes at all. Uh, the the guy that
0: sticks out to me here, other than the ones you guys mentioned, what what's what's up with John Ross? You guys, he was a number nine overall pick last year. Is is he dead? I thought wide receivers, you know, they hold their
1: value year to year. What happened with this guy? Yeah, he's bad. <laughs> it was, it was a terrible pick. Um, yeah, terrible pick, and just and, I mean, we 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 knew he was overvalued or over overrated after the the Combine 40. Um, The Bengals have a reputation for name brand drafting, drafting players that, you know, you're going to see on ESPN. They have the smallest scouting staff in the, in the NFL. And this is what you get.
0: Any thoughts on on Ross here, Dan?
2: Is he dead? He's dead to me, you know, until I see something that, that changes my mind that, you know, everybody's in love with the speed and, and the draft capital and things like that. But it's not enough to turn turn my head anymore. Uh, there there are four other players I'd pick out of this group over Ross. He he'd be the last guy I'd want.
0: Yeah, it's tough. You know, you kind of want to believe that in, in the the moves they made to improve that offensive line. They brought in Cordy Glenn. They drafted a few guys. But, uh, it's, yeah, but all those things that you mentioned there are, are a reason to like Giovanni Bernard instead of him. I, I really think so. <laughs> That's fair. I guess the argument is, is that if the line is better, they can protect Dalton better and make use of John Ross's speed better. But... You know, it, it, it's tough to see him there. You know, you have, you have so many other targets there after AJ Green that you just—it's just hard to hard to pick one between Ross and and LaFell is not exciting by any means. But you know, he's going to score some points on random weeks and, and take some targets away from those guys. And then you know, they brought Eifert back, and he's not anything to write home about either. Tyler Tyler Boyd and other kind of disappointment of theirs. Uh, it's not going to be Tyler Croft. You know, maybe the answer is Geo. His reception totals go up this year. So, um, all right. Just wanted to kind of kind of kind of touch base with you guys on, on Ross. Uh, would Would you guys buy him for a third? Like a like a like a mid third, or just nothing? You, you don't want him at all, no matter what the cost is.
1: I wouldn't. I wouldn't give a third for him now. Okay. All right. I don't think I would either.
0: Okay. Would Would you sell for a third? Yep. Okay. Yeah. He's dead. Yeah, he's dead. You know, we're,
2: <laughs> we talked about <laughs> a few of those wide receivers that that were going late in startups and and really in the third or at least the second round, and and now we'll we'll get into some guys that would be taken in the third round of rookie drafts, and there are a few of them that I'd rather rather have over him for sure.
0: Yep. uh, Like you mentioned, the next guy here is Hayden Hurst coming in at 208 overall and may start up ADP. Surrounding him is Samaji Ryan at 206, Jalen Samuels at 207, Jamon Moore at 209, and James Connor at 210. Dan, you mentioned the wide receiver. I'm assuming you're talking about Jamon Moore here. You'd rather have him, Ross? Absolutely.
2: I'd take him in a heartbeat over Ross. and he's 50, 50 spots lower, lower than Ross in, in this ADP. And he and Hurst are close in my rankings, but I, I lean towards the guy with the quarterback that can deliver the ball. And I know Moore has some other rookies to to fight for playing time and, and that third spot in Green Bay's receiving core, as well as, as a couple of veterans um, too. But uh, I'd, I'd lean towards him. I try to make a splash, especially we're talking about being in the 200s overall. We're we're late in a startup draft, and you're you're trying to really hit the lottery. And I think of this group, the guy that could be that guy most is Jamon Moore. Although Hayden Hurst has a little upside as well, uh, many would argue with me probably, but I'll go with the wide receiver that that. Is playing with Aaron Rodgers.
1: Yeah, it's it's a broken record here, but I have to agree again. The Hurst and Moore, are the only players I would really consider here, P. Ryan, Jalen Samuels, James Connor, um, I think are just each of those guys are just barely worth a roster spot in, uh, let's say, like a twenty-five man uh, on a twenty-five man roster. So it's it's between the two rookies for me, and I would I would. Give the edge to more, but uh, I'd be fine grabbing Hurst as well.
0: Yep, it's more for me too. I don't mind Hurst if you think he's going to get some play early on. I just, you know, we don't we don't like these rookies that come in at 25 years old, especially if tight ends take two to three years to develop. But you know, maybe he'll still he can still have a solid five five year career after he after he's fully developed, right, guys? So uh, no, I lean more as well. But but Hurst is not a terrible option here if you're hurting at tight end. Um, those are the only three rookies that we're going to talk about. But just to get a little bit more tight end discussion because I know how much you guys love that talking about that position. It's not gross at all. Uh, let's look at two. Two teams that have kind of an opening for somebody to take over. I mean, it could certainly just be a hot mess and nobody kind of emerges from the pack. But let's talk about Detroit and Dallas real quick. Uh, Dan, we'll go to you here first. Detroit, you know, they they got finally dumped. Eric Ebron, the Colts picked him up. They did sign former Seahawk Luke Wilson with two L's and uh, former Falcon tight end Levine, Levine Tololo um but the guy who's interesting to me here is michael roberts now he didn't do hardly anything in his rookie year last season but his final season at toledo uh in 2016 he did score 16 touchdowns so uh, all all a tight end really has to do week to week is score a touchdown to be a top 10 tight end on, in that particular week so any 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 guys here that you like is is it is it michael roberts is it one of these other guys or is it just completely void
2: I I think it's more of a wait-and-see approach to me. These guys are all pretty much free. I don't think anybody's paying anything for for any of the Detroit tight ends. Uh Roberts is an interesting guy for all those reasons you mentioned though. He's a big guy, 6'5", 260 I think and can run a little bit. Played a little bit as a rookie and, and and made that one really nice catch that that caught a lot of dynasty owners' eyes during that that rookie season. So while he's interesting um in a shallow league, he's he's not rosterable and I don't think any of these guys are. If you remember back to Luke Wilson's I don't know if you can even call it a heyday, but it, but his best <laughs> uh, best times with Seattle. Uh, I think he caught twenty passes once or twice uh, in his first couple of years, and caught a couple of touchdowns. Uh, you know, there was a there was a little bit of buzz at one point about him too. So I, I certainly don't count him out or anything to become a pass catcher catch 50 plus balls and and be rosterable and maybe even startable but during bye weeks and after injuries set in Um, I'm not really betting on Levine Toyolo to to make an impact for dynasty owners if it's going to be anybody it'll be one of those other two that said I'm not rushing out to roster either one of them unless you're in a really deep league
1: yeah I I don't really want any of these guys either (laughs) Um, no just just really very little hope on any of those guys. I, we talked about Galladay earlier, looking at their depth chart a little bit here. It, it does seem like maybe he's the guy who could benefit from, uh, from Ebron's target vacancy. Um, I, I don't think it's going to be any. I mean, one of those tight ends is going gonna, is gonna to see some action, obviously, but I don't think there's any fantasy impact there. Let's go
0: to Dallas then, Ryan. You know, the, the popular guy here is Rico Gathers, maybe the rookie Dalton Schultz, uh, Jeff Swain, Blake Jarwin, David Wells. Uh, it's, it's maybe not quite as gross as it is in Detroit. Maybe we have a, a ray of hope here with Rico Gathers, but any of these guys roster role in deeper leagues?
1: Sure. I mean, I think Gathers is... Gathers is the guy, uh, with the upside, you, you know, the, the former basketball player. And, uh, we know what that profile looks like at the tight end spot. We've seen, uh, a ton of those type players be successful over the years, in, including turning into hall of famers, basically, uh, Tony Gonzalez and, and Jimmy Graham and others, uh, so I mean, if I'm betting on one of these, it would be Rico Gathers. Uh, I mean, they just have to hate it that they got sniped on Dallas Goddard in the draft, and and we have to hate it too because that would have been, would have been a game changer for Goddard's value and and maybe for the Cowboys as well.
2: Yeah, and I, you know I'm I'm gonna echo what what Ryan said there, but it seems to me that Gathers has a price inflation that that bakes in you know the the goodness or the, or the upside or whatever you want to call, uh, whatever you want to call it. I I think, I think he's too expensive for me. I'm I'm not giving up the draft pick that it takes to get Gathers because that's still a roll of the dice. So for me, this seems like a lot like Detroit. I'm not rushing out to get any of these guys. Gathers is the top guy on my wish list as well, but I'm not, I'm not going to go get him unless he's almost free. And he's not almost free, not even a little bit.
1: I think Gathers is an interesting guy and there's people like this or players like this every off season. Um, And, and really it's this exact profile that they get a little bit of hype. It looks like they might have some opportunity and they become almost, uh, almost untradeable because of what you're talking about, Dan, because if you, if you have Gathers and you've held onto him for a a year or two, or you scooped him up off the waiver wire a couple weeks ago when, when Jason Witten retired, there's, there's really very little reason to sell for a third rounder. And if you're anybody else in that league, you should not pay more than a third rounder. <laughs> yeah. um, so that's, that's the breaking point. Um, the problem we see, though,
2: Ryan, is I was in a, I'm in a lot of salary cap leagues and, and was in a free agent auction a week ago where, where he, he went for 5% of a budget. Because people are are getting jumping on this train and there were two guys in the room that were were going nuts over it and and you know that doesn't accurately accurately depict what's going to happen on the trade market or where his value stands because it's only one auction and and only two guys that were bidding against each other but it got out of control. and as soon as I saw that I, I, I immediately thought of what you were speaking of there Ryan that, that there's a little bit of hype and people get out of control in the off season when there's very little news, and that that took over. That that's way too much. He's a one dollar player in in any salary cap league and might not even be a full dollar player if if you have to guarantee the money uh, to the player. So for to see him go for four or five dollars is ridiculous. And if that. You know that really translates to having to give up a second or maybe even a late first for a player that has never done anything and has two little tidbits of good news in his career. So uh, don't let it grab you like it does to some dynasty owners. Obviously, uh, that's that's what led me to say that I'm just not willing to pay the price.
1: What we see with gathers is first of all he had hype last off season as well. Uh, he had the concussion that was serious enough that it almost ended his career. Uh, it and it did obviously end his season last year, but I mean, in dynasty and in fantasy football, just like in every other walk of life, you have these influencers, right? You have you have people that with one tweet can change the value of a player, and this is not a knock on on any of them, but guys like Evan Silva have said positive things about gathers, and that's all it takes for his value, and and for. For his value to rise and for for dynasty players to overvalue him.
0: Yeah, I was going to say I, I got a lot of them cheap last off season, and that concussion kind of wrecked those dreams. Um, and and like you said, maybe what's the motivation to sell him for a late third? And if anybody is going to give you a second, obviously you're going to jump at that. But I just don't think that's going to happen. Um, he is all the way down there at tight end, twenty nine pick, about two fifteen off the board in, in a startup draft. Um, but, Dan, it seems like you're saying his value is, is higher than that on the trade market right now. I have not really seen him moved, in, and I have not been approached. And I haven't I don't know, like maybe half of my leagues, maybe a little less than that. But um, it would certainly take more than like a late third to, to move him from me too. I, so.
2: I would expect that ADP to rise as we get yeah. more data here yeah. in the next month or so.
0: Yeah, I, I don't disagree with that at all. But um, while we are all the way down here at, at tight end 29, let's go to our least comfortable starter at the tight end position, Dan. Uh, <laughs> it, it gets really gross. After, uh, like you, uh, well, we uh, Ryan briefly mentioned that the Hunter Henry injury, which again I, I'm on record as not being a huge fan of Henry, but it just, just any injury to this position to one of the top guys just destroys the depth even further. I mean, it was already a wasteland after tight end five or six, and and now it's you know it's it's even worse now without Hunter Henry there. So how far are, are you willing to go down this 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 totem toll of, uh, of tight ends? You know, for me, if I don't have one of those top guys. I kind of just throw darts and and hope I can piece something together. How about you?
2: Yeah, God forbid you play in a league where you have to start two tight ends. That'd be... (laughs) That'd be madness. One of those Uh, coming up. As I go through these tight ends, you know, I I nod my head. As you go through the top ten or so, you nod your head and you feel like you get some momentum going, and then that momentum dies awfully quickly uh, as soon as Greg Olson's name goes off, and and he's 12 in the current ADP. Um, The only names beyond that that you feel a little bit of comfort with and, it, and it's still a queasy feeling in your stomach is, is maybe Delaney Walker, um, a veteran presence that should catch a fair amount of balls. And I, and I know the 90 plus catch seasons are, are in his past, but still should have some consistency. Uh, and beyond that, it, it gets awfully dicey. So I, I think the, the last name you really feel good about is Greg Olson. And Trey Burton comes in at 11 right in front of him. He's still I, I, I certainly consider him part of that group. Uh, David Njoku is the one name that's uh, higher at six that I'm just not convinced. I don't feel really good about him being my number one tight end week in and week out. I know you kind of have to George Kittle is the same type of guy. You have to, because there's, those are the top 12, but I feel a little uneasy with those guys and would, would rather have one of those veterans to,
1: to pair with, with those young guys. Yeah. Those, those sophomores that are in the top, Uh, nine or 10 there and Joku, Howard, Kittle. Uh, Love the upside of all three, not ready to rely on any of them as my starter though. Uh, I I would go all the way down to Delaney Walker. I had to look up his numbers and I was surprised to see maybe you guys will be as well. He's been a tight end one, a top 12 tight end for the past five years running. So tight end 11, tight end eight, three, five, and four. So a top five tight end the past three years. And I mean, he's 33 years old that's going to fall off sometime maybe it'll be this year but considering what his value is it's uh it's hard to not try to scoop him up on the cheap
0: yeah I have a ton of Delaney Walker I've been buying him cheap all offseason just for this very reason we're talking about is it's just gross and I don't want to spend any real capital at the position some of those sophomores you you mentioned there like the one that sticks out to me is George Kittle like I feel like I feel like tight end nine is his upside. Like that's his absolute ceiling. Like I don't, I don't really feel like he can, he can really go much higher. You know, if you look at Shanahan offense historically, they don't really throw the tight end all that much. Uh, he had a good run of games there with, with uh, 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 Jimmy Garoppolo at the end of the season. But if I forget which podcast I was listening to, but they extrapolated out those four games, which were, you know, is, is it always an exercise that doesn't really mean anything, but it's just kind of fun to look at. If you extrapolate out his best four games, he would have finished as tight end nine uh, last season. So he's already there in terms of dynasty. So if he's a guy, I would be looking to get out on it. Probably if I could pick up like Delaney Walker and, and like maybe a, a, a second or third round pick um, um, if I'm a contender. So I like that. If you really are digging deep, Boston, Safari, and James you know, probably has some touchdown upside down there. Um, Ricky Seals-Jones, uh, it's a little bit tough, but I, I kind of have, have a little bit of love for him down there 23. And then if you're really just trying to piece together a committee of guys, you know, guys like Cameron Braid, who who Tampa Bay brought back. Obviously, O.J. Howard is there, but they must like him if they paid him something like $40 million contract there. And uh, our boy Charles Clay, Dan, our boy Charles Clay down there at, at, at tight end 28. If you really got to go bargain basement, there's not a lot of uh, targets there in Buffalo outside of, of Kelvin Benjamin, really. And, and everybody hates him. So maybe Clay is an option for, for this season, at least. Uh, my
2: dig deep guy, I was going deep, too, because a name popped into my head that that I wasn't really like looking to start, or I don't feel comfortable putting him in my lineup, but I, I was like, well, I wonder where Jared Cook falls. Because he, you can certainly put him in your lineup in a pinch, and he caught 55, uh, 54 balls a year ago in Oakland, and usually if you catch 50 balls, you are useful in, in Dynasty at the tight end position. And he goes all the way down there at 39. He wasn't drafted. The last tight end. The,
0: the last tight he end. He's the there. last
2: tight end on the board. So, uh, if you're if you're saying rosterable, you can you can roster the entire list of guys. Uh, but man, Jared Cook. If if you're relying on him, you certainly don't feel good. But he seems to be free, so you could at least get a guy that's going to catch a couple balls every week.
0: Brian, why is Mo Ali Cox in Indiana being drafted when <laughs> both the Ebron and and, uh, uh, Jack Doyle are there. Is, is there some hope for this guy that I don't, I don't understand because it's
1: still as well. Right. Uh, no, I have, I have no idea. That's, that might be a, uh, a data issue. <laughs> I can't imagine anybody actually, actually, uh, drafted him. So we but might need I to was check A little surprised surprised on that
0: one. to see him up there. Cause he's not even the last one, one selected. Uh, he was at 34 and Jared Cook's at 39, but, Um, Anyway, guys, uh, real quick before we get out of here and enjoy the rest of our Memorial Day weekend, let's take a look at the Listener League. Um, that we are running through Uh, you guys might remember several months ago we ran through some basically basically redrafting a bunch of the rookie classes starting back in i think we started with 2013 so we started a listener league kind of based on that where we're doing what is it nine or ten drafts this off season uh for each each year and we've gone through four so far we started when in 2011 with a with a one round draft and uh, just to run through these here real quick The uh, 101 went Julio Jones Dan drew the 102 pick Uh, he's been really good at drawing high picks throughout this entire exercise got away with Cam Newton and this is a super flex league so that was a fantastic pick AJ Green at 103 Doug Baldwin 104 Matt St. Clair Clair took uh, Mark Ingram at 105 Shecky took Kyle Rudolph at 106 we got Andy Dalton at 107 I took Dion Lewis at 108 Sporton Warden took Tyrod Taylor at one oh nine. This was this was before the NFL draft, so that, that pick's looking a little bit more suspect now that Baker Mayfield is on board. Uh one uh, Randall Cobb went off the board and one eleven, Chris Hogan, and then Ryan drew the one twelve in that spot and ended up with a big tier drop down to Charles Clay, who we just talked about. Any uh, any thoughts on this particular year, Ryan?
1: Yeah, it was, it was not a good year to draw the last pick. Uh, I, I was stuck there with Charles Clay and I guess the, the only thing that kind of sticks in my mind, this was our first one, uh, several weeks ago, I was choosing between Charles Clay and DeMarco Murray. So maybe, maybe that just shows where the value of Murray is at this point that I went with Clay. It It, it is a tight end premium league. Um, so, so Clay and these guys will have some additional value, but Murray made, maybe just this was a tough
0: draft, man. It was super top heavy, Dan, you were lucky enough to come away with, uh, maybe the best quarterback that's been drafted so far outside of Aaron Rodgers and Cam Newton here early on.
2: Yeah. And, and I was sitting there at two, just hoping that Brad wouldn't take, uh, Cam at, at one. I thought there was a chance he'd, t- he'd go with Julio Jones. I would have taken Cam the, as the top overall guy in that draft, especially considering it was our first draft. And that, that's what makes this so much fun is, is because you are building a team and you are trying to, to fill that starting lineup and all, all those things as well. Finding elite quarterbacks or top end quarterbacks at least is difficult. And to be able to get him that early felt really good. I was glad when when Brad took took the wide receiver over
0: Cam absolutely um, our next draft was 2017 and of course all those beautiful rookies came off the board we did a three round draft for this year just because there was really just so deep with starters for us um, and and this was actually done before we decided to switch to a snake draft so this was a straight kind of rookie draft like like you would typically do a rookie draft 1 to 12 1 to 12 1 to 12 did not snake much to my cigarette picking at 110 uh, and, and this draft chock full with with running backs I came away with Corey Davis I came away with Curtis Samuels and I came away with Kenny dolladay. So I did not get to take advantage of the the running backs in this draft. We will run through them all since this was a a draft that happened last, really this last season. So we're all familiar with these names. Um, But uh, uh, Ryan, what did you think about this draft and how it went for you?
1: Yeah, I grabbed, uh, I I had the four spot here. So I was, um, had had some good options at four. I took Dalvin cook there 2.04. I took Aaron Jones. That was maybe the toughest choice I've had through any of any of these four drafts that we've done so far. And that's where I found myself really considering the format, maybe more than, uh, more than other leagues or, or more than other picks I should say, but uh, it it is best ball format. And also, um, although I, I think the three of us are safe, the bottom three teams get eliminated each year. So uh, even though we're we're gonna hang around even if we have a poor performance you, you want to avoid that bottom three so I, I went with aaron jones at 2.04 over mike williams over oj howard those were the other guys i considered and they went off the board next and uh again tight end premium league i took a shot on johnny smith at the 3.04
0: dan uh despite dipping all the way down to the 107 in this draft after after a couple of 102 <laughs> spots uh you still managed to come away with Leonard Fournette here at the top of your draft yeah and I was just praying that somehow
2: uh another stud would fall down to me I was really hoping Evan Ingram would get down to me at seven he went at six instead I thought it was a, this was a really interesting job uh, draft Deshaun Watson slid to three. I thought there was a case to be made that he could have been the, the top overall pick. Instead, that was Kareem Hunt e- over even Alvin Kamara. So it was a really interesting draft to me. Delvin Cook going to uh, Ryan was the obvious choice. Uh, I, like I said, I wished Evan Ingram could have got to me, but getting Fournette felt pretty good in, in a running back rich draft. And then I thought there was a tear break after the 19th pick where I was selecting as well. I, I was... I mean, add, as we all do during drafts, we're adding up players and thinking, oh, no, I'm not going to get one of my guys. I'm, there's there's six guys left that I want, and I'm seven picks away. I ended up getting the last guy available, and that was Terrick Cohen uh, to add another running back. And then in the third round, I went ahead and took my guy Zay Jones over maybe some other names that, that could have been uh, thought, you know, you could have gone with as well. But I still see the upside a little bit. So getting Zay Jones, a guy who I was picking – at the beginning of the second round a year ago or maybe even the 12th pick of the first round to get him at 307 that's not too bad
0: yeah in terms of in terms of value in this draft i think there was a lot of good picks here uh, mitchell trubisky at 112 uh cooper cup at 203 i mean this class is just stacked we know it your boy mike williams all the way down at 205 dan so Uh, There's going to be a lot of starters for our our teams and our rosters uh, uh, from this 2017 draft. Next up, we moved to, uh, basically, we we went to 2010 and prior. So we kind of grouped all of these guys that were drafted in 2010 and before and uh, did a one-round draft with them. And that resulted in eight out of 12 quicks being quarterbacks, which is not really that surprising. Aaron Rodgers up the top at 101, followed by Antonio Brown to our boy Dan Myler, again, at the the two spot. So building a, a nice team here at the top already. Uh, Matthew Stafford at 103. Matt Ryan to at 104. Drew Brees at 105. Grob Gorkowski 106. Tom Brady 107. LaShawn McCoy 108. Uh, Ryan got Phillip Rivers at 109. Demarius Thomas uh, came off the board at 110. I was able to snag Ben Roethlisberger and and get actually a decent player for once in this exercise at 111. And then at 112, uh, Alex Smith went off the board. So this is a very quarterback-heavy draft, pretty much to be expected. Uh, Anything to talk about here, Dan, other than the quarterbacks? Uh,
2: No, pretty much went how I expected it to go. But I, I, I do want to mention that I'm not the one drawing the, the, <laughs> the draft orders. It's, it's based sure. purely on luck. Uh, I certainly am not. Uh, I have been fortunate to, to, to get some good players, though, and getting Antonio Brown, nobody can ever get angry about that. Uh, there was a tear break at, at, after two, and once again, I fell in the right place. So I feel good about having that group uh, one stud at every position, for sure.
0: Ryan, any thoughts on this draft? Pretty, pretty standard.
1: Yeah. With the 2010 and prior, like you said, we expected it to really be quarterback heavy and looking class by class with all the other, uh, all the other years, there's going to be one or two quarterbacks potentially, but this was really for each of the teams in, in our league, really the chance to at least make sure you had one solid quarterback uh, as as your starter in the super flex format. And uh, it, it'll be interesting to see the teams that went with other positions here. Yeah, I thought there was
2: a, it, it was interesting to see LaShawn McCoy go where he did, even Rob Gronkowski where he did uh, with those other quarterbacks available, Demarius Thomas as well. Uh, I thought I thought that was a head scratcher a little bit for me, for, for my guy Ryan, uh, that got Matt, Ben Roethlisberger, which he had to be really happy with.
0: Yeah, for sure. I did want, I did want rivers, but of course, Ryan sniped me again. So, you know, that's, that's the way it goes. Uh, mo- okay, it. <laughs> moving on to our, the the draft we just, we just finished last week. Uh, we moved to 2014, of course, the year of the wide receivers, uh, just much, much like the 2017 class where with, with the running backs, I didn't get any running backs. And in this class, I didn't get any of those wide receivers. I drew the 12th slot in this one and and was able to end up with Trey burden. And luckily we switched to a snake format and picked up a second quarterback here in Blake borders as as well. But, uh, those guys at the top, uh, Matt Phillips was able to come up with Odell Beckham, Mike Evans at one Oh two, Devontae Adams, Allen Robinson, Jimmy Garoppolo to Dan at one Oh five, once again, piking in the top half of the draft. And, uh, Brandon Cooks following him, Jarvis Landry, Devonta Freeman, Sammy Watkins, Jerry McKinnon to, to Ryan, Derek Carr to Sporting Warden, and then, like I said, Trey Burton for me. Talk about this first round. Uh, Ryan, did you get who you were hoping fell to 110 in, in McKinnon?
1: Uh, yeah, I thought that was probably the the best, uh, best case uh, possibility at that point. I, I thought I would get either McKinnon or Sammy Watkins. Uh, I decided I was taking both of those over Carr, who was I thought the next uh, next best option, and he did go next. So that kind of fell how how I thought it would go. Wrap wrap us up here,
0: Dan. And then we're going to get out of here. Any thoughts on this particular draft?
2: I th- I think we learned a lot through this exercise, and the three of us having gone through it do- doing our podcasts a couple months back, we we might have a little bit of an advantage because back then. We were building teams, but we had a lot of draft picks, obviously. And Jimmy Garoppolo, if I remember right, fell all the way down to like 10 or 11. And when I was on the clock at five, I, first of all, I thought there was no chance he was getting past six. And it was either Garoppolo or Brandon Cooks. And, and being on the clock, I, I, I just kept being pulled towards Jimmy Garoppolo. So it, it's not necessarily, I don't think, the change in, in value or anything else uh, or, or even how we're doing, um, how we're doing these drafts, and only having one pick per round as opposed to having four per round when we went through that exercise a few months back. It's more of we have a little bit of experience in this, and we, we figured out we may we may have made made some mistakes a few months back, or at least I did. I went back and looked, and I took Carlos Hyde over Jimmy Garoppolo, which it, which was a huge mistake. And, and he fell all the way to 11. I, I feel like I, I got a really good player at five, although I will say Ryan Howlett, he got my guy. I was hoping Alan Robinson would get to me. Uh, but to get Garoppolo there is, is a good get. And to, to get Brandon Cooks at six, that, that's a nice one as well. There are a lot of good players in this class, as we all know, and everybody improved their team for sure.
0: Yeah, just uh, highlight a couple players in the second round, I don't want to run through all of these because we are short on time. But um, my favorite pick from this range, probably Martavis Bryant to you, Dan, all the way down at 208. I actually considered him with one of my two picks at the 112-201 turn. So nice value there from you. Uh, and, and then at the end there, if you're really, like I said, we're going to tight in, deep at tight end, Austin Safarian, Jacob's at 212, pretty nice value given uh, uh, the other options on the board. So that's going to do it for this week of the DLS Dynasty Podcast. We'll be back with you again next week for my buddies Dan and Ryan. I'm Matt Price. We'll see you next week.